Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Selling your Saturn rocket? Your dad gave you that. I don't want it anymore. Sometimes I get so mad, I just want to strangle the man that did this to us. There is a science to everything. We can't save them. Believe it or not, this was supposed to be a time machine. And now it's a gun that can fire a bullet into the past. All we need is a target. You know that's impossible, right? You forgot the soda again, didn't you? Sophie, baby. <gasps> What's going on? You were killed by a drunk driver. This just doesn't make any sense. I think I got the wrong shift note. Looks right to me. Are there any changes that cannot be tied back to me? It's way more complicated than that. It screws with your memory. We have this power. Why shouldn't we use it? It's too risky. Hey, Riley. We did something that no one has ever done before. But there is no undo button. Second floor, room 216. Feeling to lose those you love. But if we save her, everything resets. I want to see Riley grow up. I want to see her go to college. I don't want to lose you.
Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with director Jared Moshe, all about his latest film called Aporia. It is a science fiction film, one of my favorite types of science fiction, where it's very much set up in the real world. Think Primer or Time Crimes, along that line. The movie just played at the Fantasia Film Festival and is opening in select theaters on August 11th, 2023. It is well worth your time, and I hope you enjoy the movie as well as the interview. Can you tell me a little bit more about you and your background, especially how you got into filmmaking? I am from New York, outside the city originally, and I went to liberal arts college. I was always interested in film, but I really didn't know how to get into it. So I did like the interning and such forth. And then I moved to New York and I started interning at Jonathan Demme's production company. I worked there. And then as people left or moved to switch jobs, I kept getting promoted. I was an assistant to Ed Saxon and Peter Seraf, and who were his producers at the time. And they were making like adaptation and truth about Charlie and stuff like that. From there, I actually became a film sales agent for a number of years. And then I started producing and then... I guess it was a fun dance in 2011. I was there with two films, a film that won Slam Dance that was called Silver Tongues and a film called Corman's World, which was a documentary about Roger Corman that I was one of the EPs on. And after being on that experience and making that film, I'm just embracing that, just make your movie at those. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start hustling for myself. And so I took all my years of knowledge and was able to put it together to go make a movie later that year. And that's how I transitioned into writing and directing. And that was the first feature, Dead Man's Burden. Now you've done two Westerns as directorial efforts. And now this film, it's not a Western. So why the Westerns? And then why not a Western for this one? I love Westerns. They are one of my absolute favorite genres. And every film is a miracle. So you don't know when you make your first one, if it's going to be your last one. So I'd always wanted to make a Western. So I decided to make a Western as my first film, which was insane if you think about it. Like, all right, I'm going to go, I have $200,000 and I'm going to go make a Western on location in New Mexico with horses and guns and we're shooting on film and I've never directed anything before in my life. It's crazy, but it was awesome. And then I wasn't sure what I was going to do next, if I was going to follow it up with a Western or not, but the character of Lefty had lived with me. For so long, I needed to get him out into the world. And so that's why that became my next project. And sci-fi is a genre that I love almost as much as Westerns. I would be watching The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and then I'd go read Isaac Asimov. So I really wanted to play in that genre a lot. And after making two Westerns, I was decided, you know what, I want to do a sci-fi movie and I want to do what I do with Westerns, which is use the tropes of the genre to try to explore the characters of the world. Aporia is one of those sci-fi movies that is really smart, which is such a compliment to you because it makes you think and it makes you really pay attention. I'm curious how you even came up with the concept for it. There's two different things that were happening at once. When I first wrote it, I had become a father in the past year and a half. And that experience suddenly made the world a lot scarier, a lot more visceral made everything feel a lot more uncertain. And I was really grappling with that feeling of uncertainty and trying to wrestle with it. As an artist and a filmmaker, one way for me to really do that was 
through writing and creating a story. So I was trying to figure out how I was going to do that when I remembered this random idea I'd had at some point in the past of what if there was a gun that could murder people in the past? And I'd written it down and I was like, oh, that's cool. But I don't really know what to do with it. There's so many big ways and obvious ways to go with it that it could just feel, I don't know, trite. And it occurred to me that like maybe I could use this sort of mechanism or this MacGuffin or this idea to allow a character to try to control the uncertainty in her life and wrestle with it. And I do really appreciate that you have this female protagonist rather than it being yet another male story. And just that everything is colored through her experience is fantastic. I really like finding characters that are you don't expect in these roles. It would have been so obvious to have some rich guy in Beverly Hills who had all the resources in the world make a machine like this. Instead, you have this woman who is you know, played by Judy Greer, a character you least expect to be in a lead role in a movie, but deserves to be read role every movie because she's so good. Who is living on the edges of LA in a very month-to-month life. And she gets access to a machine that is the most powerful machine in the world that looks like it's a fire hazard that was built by a dude who is an Uber driver, who also has no resources and scrapped it together from ripping apart fridges and junk trucks and had it in the spare bedroom of an apartment in a neighborhood that people are just like cutting through on their way to work. To me, that is so important as a storyteller to explore areas that we don't expect to be seen. One of my favorite things about directing is working with my actors. Judy was who we cast first. She was the dream for Sophie and Thank God she responded to the material and she and I were able to sit down and talk about it and talk about the character and really the emotions that she was feeling. And she and I ended up going through the script line by line, talking about it in full detail and really not doing a read through or a rehearsal, but just talking about why the lines were there, what she was feeling and what felt true to her version of the character and my vision of the character. And that's something I did with all my actors eventually. But once we had Judy on board, I knew I wanted a Mal who was the opposite of her. Whereas Judy is very emotional. She has a very expressive face. Eddie Gatshaggy has incredibly deep and expressive eyes, but there's a stillness to his performance as an actor. When he plays things, almost something cerebral to him, which to me very much captured who I saw Mal being and would play in great contrast to Judy, who is all energy and motion and he's stillness. And he creates a sense almost that like he's the rock in the family, which I think it's a much more complicated truth to that. So we got Eddie on board. And then for Jabir, I, Heyman Mahdi was always who I wanted for that role. Heyman has, is one of the best actors out there who is also like Judy underappreciated in America. And Eddie, they're all under, I think these are all very underappreciated actors who are so talented. Payman brings so much humanity to all his performances. He brings so much empathy to every character. And you really see that in the separation. I think it's one of his best performances. And I wanted to find a Jabir who could bring that empathy to his character because he's the character in my mind who has made the moral calculuses in his head and is willing to make tougher decisions and has accepted the world is not black and white. It is gray. And sometimes you have to sacrifice for the greater good. 
and having a character who could actor who could bring that and humanize that was so important in payment. And then Faith Herman actually, who was we got lucky, I got to audition her, which is so cool and so lucky because hey, she's just a, such a talented actor, especially in This Is Us and the Shazam movies. And she it's amazing when you can audition an actor because you can actually talk to them and see how they react and feel for them as a performer. Whereas when you're just going out into the world and making offers, you're like, it's it's a leap of faith in a way. And I felt like when I auditioned stage, she was a rare talent who could convey the disconnection that she was feeling in a way from her family in a way that felt very true and awkward in that between early teens years. What were some of the most difficult parts of making this movie? Oh my gosh. We had to shoot 103 pages in 17 days. It was insane. And we were shooting in COVID. We had to do COVID protocols and all that stuff, which also slows you down. Most, the entire film is incredibly difficult. We were all over LA. We shot part of it in El Sereno. Then we shot other parts of East LA. And then we were in the Valley near West Hollywood at some point. Bouncing around after a while. And we were doing this, you know, you know shorthanded with a very tight knit crew and not a lot of money and not a lot of time. But what we did have was just everyone is really engaged in it. Everyone wanted to be there. We got COVID shut down at one point and we only lost one or two crew members, the only because they had other gigs they had to go on. But everyone else wanted to come back. Everyone wanted to be there despite like how insane what we were trying to do was. It became a real labor of love for everyone, which is really lovely. Now, if you had all the money in the world, what would you have done differently? Had more time. I would have had more time. I would have slowed down. And this movie was supposed to be kind of gritty and designed that way. There are a couple of locations I probably would have swapped out. It would have been small things, but it would have said the same style and the same feel and the same vibe. I just would have had more time to get some scenes. There are a couple more angles I would have gotten. If I had all the money in the world, it would have just been like, let me spend a little more time on getting these places, not have certain things feel rushed. It was just, I wish I had more days. If I could look back on this, one thing is I wish I had more days. And also, I wish I wasn't so terrified of COVID. That was the other thing. If I had all the money in the world, honestly, I just wouldn't have been as terrified of COVID because I'd been like, all right, cool. We'll just be fine. We can pay everyone. We'll just extend. If we shut down. Every actor gets COVID. We'll be fine. There's a level of stress, I think, that can go down in terms of just what we were capable of. But I wanted the movie to feel the way it felt, that it was happening. It could really be happening in this little corner of LA that people least expected to. When did you actually shoot it? July of 2022. We shot that. Yeah, that was when we shot. It was summer. It was hot. It was 4th of July. It was fun. It was a nice time to shoot. Though Some days got really hot in that house because you can't run the air conditioners. And I don't do well in that kind of heat as well. So there's lots of me like thinking about how can we keep this cool? How can we keep this cool? So have you had a chance to see it with an audience yet? I did. I saw it for the first time with an audience in Fantasia last week. And it was incredible to see people react and watch it. You could feel as they connected in and hear their laughter at the moments they laugh and feel their hearts in their throats when their hearts in their throats. It just, I could feel it connecting with people. And that was so such an incredible experience. You're getting a wide release next week, I think. Yeah, WellGo is releasing us in the select theaters next week on August 11th. And we're going to have a full 30-day theatrical window so people can go and see the movie in theaters, which will be fantastic. Because I think 
this movie, I think all movies benefit from some from being on a screen in a theater. To me, movie theaters are a solemn place where you can go and you can connect. And it's not like you can turn off your phone or be free from distractions for 90 minutes to, I'm going to say 90 minutes to two hours. But at this point, it's 90 minutes to three and a half hours. I still wish I could be a little tighter. I wanted to have it all under 100 minutes. But those credits, man. I love that you have some special effects in there, but it's not just sci-fi and futuristic. It's so disarming with the way that it feels so natural so much of the time. Thank you. Yeah, I really wanted it to feel natural. I didn't want to do big sci-fi. I think that would have taken you out of the story and been, I don't know, I think the entire aesthetic is sort of Rube Goldberg together and I wanted it to feel that way. I wanted it to feel like this could be happening in a neighborhood anywhere around us. It could be happening in the place next door and you wouldn't have any idea. And I think keeping the VFX limited in that sense really helped. Do you know what's next for you? I have a couple of things. Unfortunately, our industry is in a point. The AMPTP has put our industry in a position where they don't want to make a fair deal with actors and writers. So who knows what'll happen. I do have a, another sort of sci-fi film that is set up producers and financiers that you know, maybe we can get going. We'll see. But beyond that, I just hope the strike gets resolved sooner rather than later so that I can get some of these other projects I have percolating out into the world. Does that put you in a weird position being part of a guild and then on strike, but then supporting a movie all at the same time? It does. I 100% support, you know, what the WGA is doing and I'm out there picketing. I'm picking, I'm bringing my kids out there. We're picketing all the time. But as a director, of this movie, I have the freedom to be able to support it or an indie film. It's important to be able to get talk about it in some way or another. I absolutely 100% though think the guild deserves to be out there fighting and all writers and actors deserve to be paid for their work. Is there a good place for people to keep up with you in the movie out online? Yeah, you can follow me on Jared Moshe on Twitter or X. No, or you can follow me on Instagram at GD Moshe or there's a page on the Wellgo USA website for Aporia. Jared, thank you so much for your time. This is great talking with you. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Thank you. Peel back your skin and come in close. Lace your ribs into my spine. I'll dissolve into your soul. Our bones fusing in the